At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yeah. Yeah. It was obviously an object lesson that many coaches used to uh, preach to their players about uh, making good decisions because all of those choices, all of those decisions can have impacts that reverberate far beyond what you think of in the moment. Ed Tapscott, NBA executive, a former coach, and a friend of Len Bias. He was gifted and had optimized his gifts as a basketball player to realize the dream of being an NBA player. And in a moment or moments, of a bad choice or decision around cocaine drug use, it cost him his life. And that is a message that resonates, not just because it was drugs, but because life is fragile. And sometimes the choices we make can be fatal. And it's a reminder for all of us that the choices we make, the associations we have with others, we just have to be mindful that if we're not careful, it can it can sometimes end not just badly, but, but fatally. Clark Kellogg, former NBA player and a college basketball television analyst. Len Bias was one of the best in college basketball, and he was projecting to be one of the best to ever play the game in the NBA. And he never made, had that chance because of the choices he made. And for that reason alone, we need to keep his story alive. Bonnie Bernstein, a former University of Maryland gymnast and a network sportscaster. It's a poor decision. I mean, you, you know, you don't know what led up to that decision, but it really does emphasize the fact that you got to think about what you're doing. Dan Bonner, a college basketball television analyst. What we need to do is help people to think clearly about their decisions. And we also know that human beings are not completely rational and that there are what we call decision traps. We want to think about how we can make better decisions. Well, what we would like to do is to have these skills and have them be practiced to the level that they do come naturally. Chris Spetzler, the executive director of the Decision Education Foundation. In this episode of Len Bias, A Mixed Legacy, Epilogue Episode 1, we will explain the tools you need to help you make the right decision, focusing on two students who faced critical decisions. Since the death of Len Bias in 1986, 
Many branches of blame have sprouted from the fertile tree of speculation. It was Lefty Grizel's fault for not watching his players more closely, some have said. The University of Maryland should have better policies in place to better gauge drug use on campus, others have said. Those close to Bias feel they should have more aggressively questioned him about things he had done in his final months. All these points are certainly debatable, but one set of facts is indisputable. Lefty didn't put the cocaine in Lenny's nose. He didn't buy the cocaine for Lenny or any of that stuff. Lenny, you know, was over the age of consent. He was an adult and he did that uh, on his own accord. That's J.J. Bush. He started as a Maryland athletic trainer in 1972, and he continued in that role at Maryland until 2011. Athletic trainers are an insightful bunch when it comes to athletes. They see and hear things that most others do not. The wisdom of Bush in the previous comment speaks volumes about who is to blame for the death of Len Bias. The death of Bias comes down to this. He made a bad decision to abuse drugs to the point where it killed him. No one told him to do it. Len's death underscores the importance of making clear-minded, values-based decisions, especially when it comes to considering actions that can have life-shaping consequences. With that in mind, we are continuing this podcast series about the legacy of Len Bias with what we are calling a functional epilogue. Episodes in the discussion format that will help us learn about the importance of making the right decisions. We will use the tragic story of Len Bias as a teaching tool to better understand the importance of making effective decisions. We will explain what it takes to make not just a good or bad decision, but an effective decision. To help us in that process, we are working with the Decision Education Foundation. The DEF teaches decision skills and helps people understand the importance of making the best possible decision. They are also a promotional partner in this podcast series. We will discuss decision-making with several people. They include DEF Executive Director, Chris Spetzler. Chris is a respected authority on the topic and is a national leader in the movement of decision education. Chris will be our point person for explaining the principles of effective decision-making. There is so much more to making the right decision than simply telling people that you need to make the right decision. Chris will help explain the tools we need to use. Joining us in this first of three episodes on decision-making are Zach Reed and Ben Kotoko. They are students who have benefited from decision education and learning to make better decisions has played an important role in their lives. In future episodes, three others will discuss decisions they have made and how they arrived at those decisions. They include Justin Gatlin, a former Olympic and world champion in the 100 meters. He later served a four-year suspension for a performance-enhancing drug violation. Justin later returned to his sprint career, winning Olympic silver. And at the age of 35, he was again a world champion. In that race, he beat the famed Usain Bolt. Also, one of the top high school basketball coaches in the country is Glenn Farello, 
of Paul VI High School in Fairfax, Virginia. His teams have repeatedly finished among the top 20 in the country over the last two decades. Our final guest will be Travis Garrison. Travis grew up in the same county as Len Bias, Prince George's County. Like Len, he played basketball at Maryland. Travis was a Terp from 2002 to 2006. He has overcome two assault convictions and now is using his platform to help people make better decisions with his program called Think First, Make the Right Choice. Chris Spetzler joins us now. Chris, first tell us about the Decision Education Foundation and its role in helping people make the right decision. Thanks, Dave. So, yeah, I'm the executive director of the Decision Education Foundation, and our mission is to empower young people with effective decision skills that help them to make better decisions and have better outcomes in life. And um, I've got a couple of students that I've invited along this session who are going to share how some of the stuff that we teach has been important in their lives. But in short, we're all making decisions throughout our life, and our lives are very much built based on the decisions that we make. Um, you know, unfortunately, with Len Bias, he made a lot of good decisions in his life, but what we know um, is that one bad decision really made everything go in the wrong direction for not only him, but for a lot of people around him and for society in general. Um, so if we can help people to make better decisions, um, a single better decision can also be life-changing. And we don't always talk about um, things, you know, don't do this, don't do that. What we want to do is help people to understand how to make better decisions so that they can make better decisions throughout their life. I became uh, aware of, of a DEF right after I wrote the book about Len Bias, The Born Ready, The Mixed Legacy of Len Bias, that came out in 2011, and that forms the basis of this podcast series. I was out and um, uh, selling the books at a lot of uh, youth basketball tournaments and, and other events, and often people would come up to me and say, hey, that's a great story. I'm glad you wrote the book, but what are you doing about it? I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard story. It's a tough story. But where's the, where's the good that's coming out of this? Then I realized at that point that, yes, this story comes down to Len did make a bad decision. And how can I talk to people about making better decisions? And I discovered your foundation. Chris, can you give us an overview of the technical aspect of making the right decision? Yeah, so um, we know that just say no doesn't work. What we need to do is help people to think clearly about their decisions. And we also know that human beings are not completely rational and that there are decision traps. We want to think about how we can make better decisions. And one tool that we have in that sense is something we call the decision chain. And it's a chain because it's only as strong as its weakest link. And the links of the decision chain are Values, what it is that you want in your decision. Alternatives, what it is that you can do. Information, what it is that you can know. And because the future is uncertain, we also have to be able to think about probabilities. And that's where sound reasoning comes in, where we can identify the alternative that gets us the most of what our, we want, our values, given what we can know in the information. So those are four 
links in the chain. And one other important link is commitment to follow through, because if you just make up your mind, but you never do anything about it, that's not a quality decision. So I think we all have personal experiences where we know we didn't follow through. And the final one is the frame. What is the decision that you're making? And I would think that Len Bias, when he made that choice to um, use cocaine, was not aware that the frame included the possibility of death. And so he fell into a decision trap because his frame was too narrow. And if we can help people to understand how to improve their framing of a decision or strengthen their chain links, the ones that I just went through, just having that as a checklist is something that can take us out of a um, situation where we are being mindless and make us much more mindful and able to go through a rational process, slowing us down, keeping us from making big mistakes. What we would like to do is to have these skills and have them be practiced to the level that they do come naturally. Chris, can you mention, can you uh, talk about who Zach and Ben are and how they uh, benefited from their experiences with the Decision Education Foundation? Yeah, so Decision Education Foundation works with schools, and historically we've also had classes that we've taught through Stanford pre-collegiate studies. So we had high school students that came to Stanford, and Ben took the Stanford course, and Zach was involved with a charter school up in Oregon where DEF was a part of the curriculum. Zach overcame some significant challenges, and he'll tell you a little bit about those. And then Ben has really been great about creating opportunities for himself, and he's an entrepreneur down in um, Los Angeles, and he'll tell you a little bit about that. But, of course, entrepreneurs have to know how to take appropriate risks. And um, risks and uncertainty, that's the kind of stuff that DEF helps people to understand. And especially with um, the teenage brain being what it is, we know that the prefrontal cortex of young people is still growing in, and the hot center of decision, emotional decision-making is the amygdala, and um, we got to be able to help them to navigate a difficult time until their, um, their rational decision-making becomes stronger. Let's start with uh, Ben, then. You talked about entrepreneurship. Ben, can you tell us what decision you were facing? The most recent and probably the uh, uh, kind of core decision I made was um, deciding to leave post-secondary university um, uh, before I finished graduating to actually pursue the startup venture that I'm working on now. I had already dabbled in entrepreneurship and kind of been, had been exposed to, you know, what entrepreneurship was and how it was a tool to be able to solve problems. And going into the University of Oregon, my freshman year made the decision, you know, coming into school, if I have the opportunity to go after building a company, uh, that's what I'm going to do, whether that happens while I'm in school or after the fact, that was my, my whole focus. So going into my junior year of college, um, I had been working on, on a project with my brother and essentially the platform we were working on was helping brands, um, small boutiques, retailers get visibility. 
um, when it comes to building their brands. And with that, um, that kind of gave me a, a foundation to be like, okay, this is something that I feel passionate about and I, I want to move forward with and kind of, um, you know, put more effort into it because when you're juggling school and trying to build a, a startup, it's, you know, you have to choose one or the other because you can either end up, you know, chasing two rabbits and catching neither. So that was the decision that I had to make was, you know, am I going to take the time to finish out the senior year of my college experience or am I going to step away from school and put 100% of my focus into this startup? Um, and the reason that decision was big is because in the world of, you know, startups and specifically um, our, our platform being a tech platform, it's all about speed to market. Um, so within that decision, you know, the frame obviously was like, okay, am I going to step away or am I going to continue school? Um, but I really had to assess my own values in terms of who I am and where I wanted to be and also think about the alternatives, whether or not, you know, education could be something I could pursue further down the line or if this opportunity would be something I could pursue further down the line. So with all those things in, 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 in having that framework of thinking about how I should think about making this, this decision, um, it gave me clarity as to, you know, bet on myself and kind of pursue my own sense of purpose in striving to build a, a, the, the startup that I'm working on today. Chris, as you remember the process with Ben, what areas did you focus on within the decision chain or did you use all of them? How, was one more important than the other in, in his decision process? Well, one of the things that is impressive about Ben's story is that while he was at U of O, he got this um, startup going with his brother and they had it in an accelerator and they were already having success before he made the decision to switch. So in addition to being a student and also working to get through school, he on the side started up this business concept and only made the decision to jump once it started to prove out. So he had um, limited the uncertainty and he didn't just jump right at the beginning. Um, he got started and made sure that there was progress. And that's really part of why making that decision became critical because I was doing so many different things um, and seeing the potential in what we were trying to build um, and also juggling responsibilities and commitments, especially with school. So with those two things, um, the framework kind of allowed me to, to balance who I was, my values and also um, really gave me a way of understanding how to parse through the options that I did have in terms of aligning what I was committed to. And then, uh, of course, the, the chain um, of commitment and follow through. It's a tough decision to say I'm going to leave school. Uh, you know, it doesn't make your parents ex extremely happy. You know, some professors are, are against it. Others are, you know. Uh, supportive of it, but you, you kind of have to take in all those perspectives and then um, decide for yourself what you're going to follow through on. You mentioned your frame and you mentioned your values. How did you define your frame within this decision and what values were you focusing on in this decision? 
So I'd say the frame was really, I've gotten this far in, in college, but I'm seeing success happening within the startup we're building and you're human and you're limited in terms of how many hours in the day and energy you have to commit to anything. And if you split that too far, then neither of the things that you're splitting your time against really ends up, you know, making progress. So that was the frame, you know, how do I optimize um, my time in the way that's going to be the most meaningful me or meaningful for me moving forward. Um, And really my values have always been centered around one helping people um, and then two, uh, a, a natural kind of inclination towards entrepreneurship. Um, so my intention going into college, um, the first weekend that I ended up um, on campus in my dorm, I sat in my room that whole weekend and, and, and decided, you know, why was I in school? And the reason I set out for myself was to develop a skill set around, you know, communication that would be able to help me in any field that I chose to do, whether it was building my own company or um, going into an industry post-college and then also making connections. Um, But within those two things, gearing them towards, you know, the direction of eventually starting my own, uh, you know, company, because that's something that I, I always wanted to do um, given my history, my background, and um, who, who, who I am. So those two things, I'd say, kind of encapsulate the frame and the values. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, 
or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris, can you explain what your role and the Citizen Education Foundation's role was with these two young men. Where do you step in? Well, so in both cases, um, the training that Zach and Ben had was several years prior to these uh, particular situations. And um, I think we gave them a platform and a foundation to be clear about their decisions. And um, it became something that um, became more of an unconscious habit. And so both Ben and Zach are individuals that um, stood out in those classes and um, kept in touch. Zach, tell us about that, that program you were involved with where you were introduced to uh, decision-making. I was a junior in high school when I met Chris and the program, and I believe it was, it was either a world studies class or a governomics class. And I came to recognize I had been diagnosed as being Asperger, as having Asperger syndrome when I was a young kid. So I had spent a long time in therapy as a kid, figuring things out, figuring um, out how to handle and make better decisions just under different auspices, as it were, with, um, with thinking about cognitive distortions and what, and what do I value? What kind of friends do I want to have at such a young age? Everything. It was under the, it was in the same vein as how to make a good decision, how to, how to do the right things that will benefit you and make you happy without engaging in these, these fallacious thoughts that will lead you astray. Tell us now about that decision. What, what decision did you face? Um, originally when, when Chris and I first met, my plan was to go to medical school. Um, a lot of things happened then. Uh, my father passed away at a very young age. Um, and I met Ben and Chris at the, at the Stanford, at the Stanford campus, um, when the, with the pre-collegiate institutes. And while, while I was there, that, that provided a nice break after losing my father. But when I came back to try and be there for my mother and sister, everything, it quickly dawned on me that medical school is a large investment of time. There has to be another way to, to help people was lucky enough to, to shadow with a group of surgeons when I was 17. Um, but it was just, it was such a time investment. And after, after losing my dad at, at such a young age, I really wanted to try and minimize the amount of time that I was in school so I could be there, be around to see the life events of my mother and sister and the rest of my family. So that led me down to beginning to explore the different alternatives in healthcare for what I could be. And I eventually, eventually after a few years, I settled on physician's assistant there. The schooling is less, less is slightly less arduous. The responsibilities are, are remarkably similar. I can still help people and I don't break myself doing it. Zach, as you were going through the process and, and we've talked about the decision the chain before, was there any link in that chain that, that you thought 
as you were going through the process with each of those links that was most helpful, the information, the sound reasoning, the alternatives, the frame, um, and the commitment and, and et cetera. Um, I think the creative alternatives and everything, because there's such a wide breadth in the field of medicine with what one can do. Um, in one of my human anatomy classes in college, the professor himself at the end of the term started talking about like, it's not the end of the world if you if you don't get the A plus you want in this class. It really isn't. There are plenty of other things that you can do, and he pointed those out. The creative alternatives were the were the most important thing for narrowing all of this down. Uh, ben and Zach, what were the more challenging aspects of the decision making process? Was it actually a process that you felt very natural with? Let's go with Ben first. Yeah, so I was going to say. I think the process felt natural, but the kind of challenge um, probably was mostly around um, the sound reasoning in the sense that, you know, making the decision to leave school to focus on, on, on the startup, you know, I had to gauge a lot of different people's perspectives. You know, it wasn't just a decision where I was the only stakeholder in there. Um, so there's my parents, there's, you know, my professors, there's friends, there's, you know, um, you know, so many people who've invested in me to get to that point. Um, you know, whatever perspectives that I did get, um, I weighed them into the alternatives and kind of, you know, ways that I could approach the decision. Um, but ultimately in that process, I realized that, you know, for yourself, you can't, not every decision you make is going to make everyone happy. So you need to kind of balance your decision with, you know, optimizing it to have the best effect on the people around you or the other stakeholders in that decision. But then also you have to optimize that for your own values and what you care about most and kind of getting to a place of, you know, clarity and concrete, definitive, you know, confidence in this is what I'm going to do and going to follow through on that. So, uh, Chris, uh, Ben mentioned something about reasoning, and there's the head-heart concept about making decisions. Can you talk a little bit about that and and how that plays a lot into the chain? What are the what are the links in the chain that that the head-heart most applies to? Well, so we want a good decision to both make sense. That's the sound reasoning, and feel right, and that's typically the the heart and the emotions. And sometimes our emotions and our passions can run away with us, and um, we need to balance the head. And sometimes um, we are in a situation where um, we're convinced that we know what is right, and we're going to do it no matter what. And in fact, um, somebody that's sitting next to us can say, yeah, I understand that you believe that you are logically reasoning, but you may be missing out on the emotional impact of others who are around you. Let me clue you in on some of the heart aspects that you're missing. So balancing head and heart, some people are naturally leading in their decisions with the head and others are naturally leading in the heart. And what we want to do is we want to meet the decision um, where it needs to be met. And if we're someone who's a heart-centered person and we're facing a financial decision, it's probably time to um, reach out and get some professional help. 
And if you're a logic person and you're dealing with a relationship issue, maybe you need to reach out and get help there as well. Can you qualify the difference between the two? Is one more important than the other, the head of the heart, or it's got to be right in the middle? Um, well, each decision has its own natural balance, and we want to meet it where it is. So um, there's any specific decision has its own correct balance, and that's where we need to um, kind of work on it until we have the clarity that Ben talked about. Um, you know, if if we have a balance of head and heart, if we've got strength in all of the elements of the links in the chain, then we can be confident in moving forward, um, recognizing that there is uncertainty and we could have a bad outcome. But if we made a good decision and have a good out, uh, a bad outcome, that just means that we need to um, continue making th that good decision and uh, tell the, the probabilities stack up in our favor. So that balance of head heart really is relative to the individual, I would imagine, right? Based on well, the other so aspects of not not necessarily or, or so much the individual, but on the individual decision. So some decisions are much more um, logic head decisions, and others are much more heart value focused decisions and relationships, and so. There's no one size fits all. It has to do with what's the decision that you're facing. And we need to test and make sure that it makes sense on the logic and the reasoning. And it also feels right in the emotions and the values. You talk about, uh, I think the hip, uh, the hip tool to determine how, how important something is. Chris, can you? Explain what HIP means in relation to decision fitness. Yeah, so the, the HIP check is a way of thinking about the size of a decision. So it is H is how will things change. I is impact. Um, so if it's a, a small impact or a bigger impact. And then the final one is P is permanent. Um, so if something is permanent, then it's not reversible. And that makes it a bigger decision. If it's a, a decision that we can reverse and um, pay some sort of a, a cost to get out of, um, then that's a smaller decision. But, you know, if we think about um, Len Bias, he made a decision that um, had a permanent and terribly negative outcome. And I'm not sure that he um, thought about how big of a decision it could have been at the time. And within the context of limb bias, also it had impact on many others. And how will things change? It changed a lot. So he certainly he wasn't thinking about that. Uh, Zach, tell us now what were uh, more significant a challenge uh, than the others within the chain? I would say sound reasoning and potentially commitment to follow through and figuring out the reasoning behind why I wanted to choose physician's assistant took a lot of time to narrow down. And then the commitment to follow through applications to PA, MD, nursing schools, they're all very strenuous and rigorous. The MCAT alone, I believe is like a seven and a half hour test. The GRE is six. There's just, there's a lot, there's a lot to do when it comes to applications, but that's just like, um, 
pretty much everything, especially when you're transitioning from high school to college, if you're transitioning to a four-year school out of the gate. Um, I know U of O had me, had wanted me to write a, an essay. Um, and that was shortly after I lost my dad. So, uh, I managed, I managed to get through it, but ultimately ended up attending an alternative college. It's not what feels good, but feels right. Right, mm-hmm. Chris? But again, you're not going to know if it's going to be a good or bad decision until, a, until you, you work through it, but it's got to feel right. And that's a big difference, correct? Chris? Oh, sure. So, um, it, people often will convince themselves that, um, that they feel good about a decision, um, but their logic is faulty. And we want to make sure that we can slow them down enough that they can go through the steps, maybe uh, the links of the chain, and think through whether or not, for example, they have um, creative alternatives that, you know, they don't have to do something. It's not an either-or situation. There are often many other alternatives involved. Zach, did you find when you were uh, – you consider the commitment part of, of this decision that you had to sort of adjust – your levels of commitment or your goals as far as the commitment because you, because, because of everything that was happening in your life, maybe the time frame, uh, you're working in the frame now, the scope and how long it's going to take. Yeah, I absolutely did. Um, originally I was going to exit university right out, right out of the gate and then head right towards PA school. I'm obviously not at PA school right now. Um, but, uh, I decided, I decided while graduating last year during, during lockdowns that uh I wanted a break and I wanted to work for a little while and get a breather. Um it had been a very uh taxing sprint is I guess the best way to put it for the last the last four years. And so I extended so I don't have any plans right now. I'm just working um at at a group of hospitals here um in the area and getting experience that way. And sooner than later, I will likely go back to school and start taking some more classes and then probably apply. But I'm definitely not jumping to go anytime soon. As I understand the decision-making process and the fr- and the, uh, the decision chain, part of the frame is you want to see where you are five, ten years from now. Well, it it all depends on what you're trying to achieve. I would think that you definitely want to be um, considering five, ten years out what um, – maybe not what you'll be doing, but um, what kind of skills that you'll want to have because, you know, life happens and there's uncertainty and sometimes you need to be able to change your course. But if you've got the right skills in place and the right accreditations, you can you can move with it. Up next on Lem Bice and Mixed Legacy. And one person very familiar with those types of decisions is Glenn Farello, head coach of the boys basketball team at Paul VI High School in Fairfax, Virginia. And I think the most important part of that decision making is you want to try to find a way to not just talk uh, at them, you want to talk to them. Uh, you want to give them some information that they can actually think about instead of it being another adult telling them what to do or, you know, the pitfalls of life. I would think that this is the sort of training that you want to work with the players off the court so Mm -hmm. that then when they're in that situation, they have something that they can refer back to 
that they can use in that moment. When you're able to get them to think clearly of what their purpose is and their enthusiasm for what they're doing, then they're much more accepting of some of the decision-making uh, decision decisions that they have to make on the court. For our next segment, we will talk with a former University of Maryland basketball player who has overcome some profound personal challenges and now promotes the importance of making the right decisions. Garrison was two years old when Len Bias died. Like Len, he became a top high school player and chose to play his college ball at the University of Maryland. There was one particular time when I did get in trouble. Our coach told us that we weren't allowed at the bars to hang out. I used to, you know, drink a lot in, in my room and then I'll go hang out. And this particular time, you know, I was going through stuff mentally, you know, coming off an injury. So I just wanted to go hang out and I kind of went down to the bars. And decision fitness is when you are centered. Your decision state is as good as it can be in terms of processing information, in terms of making reasoned judgments, in terms of being clear on what your values are. And there are plenty of situations where we know that that has been impaired. Definitely wasn't sober-minded. I would have handled the things a lot differently. So that definitely did play a, a factor. Um, but I can't use that as an excuse. This is Dave Ungrady, president of Go Grady Media and executive producer of this podcast series. It is with profound sadness that I inform you about a tragedy involving a Go Grady Media intern. Enzo Alvarenga passed away in early June following an accident. He collided with a van while riding his bicycle near his home in Bethesda, Maryland. Enzo was a rising sophomore at the University of Maryland, majoring in journalism. His work for us focused on the 34 plus one campaign since the late spring of 2021. As a volunteer, he helped edit video and audio clips for our Len Bias Legacy podcast production. He also edited the audio and video clips for our timeline promotion, supporting the podcast. His work was exemplary. We had hoped to help Enzo earn a credit internship this summer, but we were unable to do so. Typically, he said he wanted to help anyway. We talked a day before he died about his role helping promote the podcast series. Interestingly, due to COVID, I never personally met Enzo, but we had lots of Zoom and phone calls. He was a wonderful young man, gentle, respectful, deferential, responsible, and diligent in his work. I met his mother and father at his funeral service. When I told Enzo's father about his work on the Len Bias Project, a smile came to his face. He was very proud of what he did he said, as was everyone at Go Grady Media. This podcast series is based on the book Born Ready, A Mixed Legacy of Len Bice, published by Go Grady Media. The series is produced by Go Grady Media in partnership with Octagon Entertainment. This segment was produced by Dave Ungrady and Don Marcus. It was written by Dave Ungrady and edited by Don Marcus. The narrator was Dave Ungrady with additional narration by Jamal Williams. 
Technical production was provided by Octagon Entertainment. Production assistance was produced by Kevin McNulty, Tino Quagliata, Lauren Ross, Georgia Brown, Casey Fair, Jamal Williams, Chelsea Mannix, and Enzo Alvarenga. Matt Dewhurst is providing the social media assistance. Special thanks to the University of Maryland and American University for providing inserts. The Decision Education Foundation is a content and promotional partner of this podcast series. For more information, go to gogradymedia.com. This has been a production of Go Grady Media and the 8th Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.